What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Monday, October 28th. Hopefully, all you guys are doing well. Hopefully, all you guys have a great start to your week, man. I cannot believe it's already the 28th of October. This year has been flying by, but do what you got to do in this fourth quarter. Go hard. Don't leave no regrets, man. It's not, it's not even the end of just a year. It's the end of an, a decade, a whole entire decade. So take advantage of whatever opportunities you get in these last couple months. Do what you got to do. Work hard. You know, earn everything. Don't try and cheat your way through anything. And just keep pushing, man. Stay positive. Don't listen to none of the BS that's out there. And just keep it going. So, but, man, yesterday was a really good day. This weekend, or this past weekend, was a really good weekend. I'm even more excited for this week just because next week we get we finally have college basketball back. I've been waiting for college basketball ever since it ended. And, man, I'm so ecstatic to watch my Michigan State Spartans play um, Kentucky next week at Madison Square Garden. Duke and Kansas playing the first game. Should be a great day of college hoops. I cannot wait. But yesterday was a great day for sports in general. Yesterday you had the World Series. You had Tiger Woods win big. You had Sunday football, of course, and you had some NBA games. It was a perfect day. I think you even had some hockey games, even though I don't really watch hockey like that. I barely watch baseball. I only watch baseball when it's playoffs or most of the time it's the World Series. But, man, it was a great day of sports, and I really enjoyed myself just watching all these different sporting events go on at the same time. But with that being said, today I want to come at you guys and talk about my biggest takeaways from week one of the NBA season. And then, of course, I'll talk about some recruiting at the end. But first, before, or actually, I'm going to just start with the negative things, and then we'll ease ourselves into the positive things. So I got seven takeaways here of the first week of the NBA season. So I believe the NBA season either started last Tuesday or Wednesday. I believe it was Wednesday when the Clippers played the Lakers, and that was a great game of opening day game for the NBA. So my first biggest takeaway from the NBA is that the Boston Celtics need a big man that can play defense. They do not have that right now because I watched their games. I watched them play the the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, and I watched them play their first game against the Sixers. Now, of course, you got to take into consideration it's only week one. You know, you, you can't really judge a lot of these teams, even though you can. You can make some good analysis, but usually... If you watch the NBA, you always know that the good teams usually get out to a pretty good start. Like, you can tell the good and the bad kind of pretty early. It's a rare occasion. Like, I believe it was a couple years ago where the Utah Jazz were playing terrible, and then they went on, like, a 16-game winning streak, and they fought themselves back into the playoffs. I think that was, like, two years ago. And so that's just a rare occurrence, honestly. But this, you got to always just be mindful and watch what's happening. So... I'm sitting here watching the Celtics games, and I'm just like, they can't guard any big man to save their life. And the Knicks have a couple different big men like Bobby Portis, Mitchell Robinson, and a couple other guys. But more importantly, the 76ers, who not only is their rival, but that's their biggest competition in order for them to get to the NBA Finals. Their best player is a big man, and that's Joel Embiid. And he's not only just an average big man, he's the best big man in the league. And the Celtics don't have anybody that can guard them. Like, they have Ennis Cantor, who's a solid offensive, who's a really good offensive rebounder, shall I say. Pretty good post scorer, and he's a solid rebounder all around, but he can't defend to save his life. He's too slow on his feet. He's not athletic or anything like that. He doesn't have a lot of bounce. And I'm just looking at him like, okay, they need work. And they play other big men like Grant Williams, who I believe it, or not, yeah, Grant Williams, who doesn't really play big man, but Robert Williams, too. 
who is a big man. I believe he's in his second year out of Texas A&M, and he's finally just starting to get some minutes. And he's still a young project that needs to be worked on. He can block shots here and there. He's very athletic. He has super bounce. He can catch lobs. He's pretty solid offensively, but still, he needs a lot of work too. And I'm not going to throw one of my younger players on Joel Embiid. I mean, I will throughout the regular season, but when the playoffs come, that's going to be barbecue chicken for Joel Embiid. And so I'm just looking at that like, man, that's that's not going to work. So they need, you know, the trade deadline is not for a few months away. I believe it's like, it's, it's usually in December and then I, or early January, but they need to trade for some type of veteran big man that can guard somebody. And it's crazy because they had two really good defenders at the big position last year. They had Al Horford, who they, who they let get, get away because he wanted some more money, which is understandable. And he plays for the Sixers now. And he was probably the best in the NBA when it comes to guarding Joel Embiid. They lose him. And then they lose Aaron Baines, too. I, I don't know what happened with the Aaron Baines thing. I don't know if they just didn't want to resign him or anything like that. But he's down to Phoenix now. And we'll talk about Phoenix, the Suns, in a minute, too, because they're on our takeaways list, too. But So it's like the Celtics need to figure it out. You know, they got to figure it out fast, too, because it's going to hurt them. And I mean, not fast, but they got to figure it out eventually because when the playoffs come and when, you know, the game starts to get a little bit more tighter and when you can just throw it down to Joel and, Joel and Bean and get a bucket and nobody's really stopping them like that, it's going to be easy. So we'll see, but Celtics got to figure that out. So that was my main, that was one of my main takeaways. That was number one. Number two, the Sacramento Kings are tanking badly and they're not even trying to do a good job of disguising it because adam silver was trying to put such an emphasis on teams not tanking that i think he was going to penalize them and like tell them like you're not going to get higher draft picks just because you tank but the kings are still tanking or not still tanking they're absolutely trying to tank and i have no idea why because they have such a young good core with De'Aaron fox and buddy hill and bogdanovich and a couple other players harrison barnes and even marvin bagley who was just announced hurt with i believe a thumb injury but still the Kings have a solid young core. And I'm just looking at them like, why are you tanking? So their first game of the season, I believe, is versus the Suns. And they lose that game by almost 30 points. And as I stated a second ago, we will talk about the Suns because they are doing some good things. But to lose by the Phoenix Suns to 30 points is utterly ridiculous. Like, I don't know what's happening. They get Luke Walton, who's the first-year head coach in Sacramento, got fired by the Lakers last year. And he's not a bad coach. Luke Walton is honestly a good coach. And I think being in Sacramento is probably the best fit for him because it's such a young group and they don't have that much high expectations besides maybe getting that eighth seed in the playoffs. And if even if they just play hard throughout the season, they could get that eighth seed in the playoffs. There's a couple other teams that can c contend with them, like the Mavericks and the Pelicans. But what are they doing? Like, to lose to the Suns by almost 30 points is ridiculous. Then the next game, they lose by 10 to Portland, which is obviously Portland's a better team, so I'm not really worried about that. And then they almost lose by 30 points to the Utah Jazz without their Bogdanovich, who came over from Indianapolis this past summer through free agency. That's one of their best players on that team. And Mike Conley has been playing horrible. And they still almost lose to the Jazz by 30 points. I don't know what's going on with Sacramento, but I, th I really think they're trying to tank, but they need to stop it because it's not going to work. You're not going to get the draft picks that you really want like that. Just just play. Just hoop. Like, you're getting paid to hoop. Might as well just make the most of it and try and, you know, see where the chips may fall. And so they got to figure it out because it's going crazy. And I heard that Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's their primary shooter alongside Buddy Hield, uh, it's, it's a rumor that he's unhappy playing in a six-man role. 
I don't know how much of it's true because I did hear that he said that it kind of wasn't true, but he was kind of frustrated at the same time. So you never know what's really true and what's really false, but we'll see how that plays out. They did sign Buddy Hill to, I believe, a four-year four-year uh, deal extension-wise. And so, you know, hopefully the Kings can figure it out. As I said, it's still early in the season, but being 0-3, especially when you play the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz without one of their best players, it's kind of it's kind of iffy, you know. So we'll see if they can figure it out. So that's number two, and number three, which is probably the most biggest news in the NBA right now, is the Warriors. The Warriors are struggling badly, and before I really get into what is going on with them, Kendrick Perkins, shout out to Kendrick Perkins, is an NBA vet, played in the year, played played in the league for years with the Celtics, the Thunder, the Pelicans, and a couple other teams put a tweet out perfectly i pretty much said like you guys can feel sad or, you, or no he didn't say that he, he said you guys um are giving steve kerr too much hell for how bad the warriors are but you're not giving you know enough of the blame to steph curry because lebron did a lot more with much less Kyrie did more with less and a whole bunch of other NBA stars did more with less. And now that Steph Curry doesn't have a whole bunch of all-stars surrounded by him, even though he still has two with D'Lo and Draymond Green, they're still, they look terrible. The Warriors look terrible. And I don't know what's going on, even though like I seen people saying like him not having clay is a big thing, which is true. But at the same time, let's be honest, as big of a factor as Clay Thompson is with Steph Curry, because they are the Splash Brothers, Draymond Green is probably just as important. And they have Draymond because Draymond not only makes Steph Steph's life easier because he, he's able to create shots to get Steph open, whether it's screens or whether it's just simply having Steph run off screens and passing it to him in, in an open position. You got to utilize that. And I understand that they don't have Clay. I understand that they're playing a whole bunch of youngsters. They're playing Jordan Poole, Glenn Robinson III, Amari Spellman, uh, Eric Pascal, um, Jacob Evans, Marquise Chris, Kai Bowman, and they they even just lost Kevon Looney, who was with them for the past couple years, um, at least for at least two games with a nerve injury, and so the Warriors got to figure it out because they we all saw them get obliterated by the Clippers. The Clippers came went up to Golden State and absolutely killed them. They beat them 141 to 122. Then yesterday, I think it might be yesterday, might have been, I think it was yesterday, they lost to the Thunder 120 to 92. The Thunder have Chris Paul, Danilo Gallinari, Shea Gilders-Alexander, Terrence Ferguson, and a few other players. But they ain't got no real all-stars like that. How are you just getting waxed by them? And yes, D'Angelo Russell did get tossed. He did get ejected for pretty much going up to the ref. And about, it looked like he was about to punch him, to be honest with you. I'm surprised the ref didn't retaliate, but that's what they get paid to do is not retaliate. But y'all got to be smarter than that. If you're D'Angelo Russell, you can, you can as bad as this team is, you cannot afford to be getting ejected because this team does not have the depth that it has had for the past five years. And that's my thing. Like, you have to be much smarter than that. You, Steph, and Draymond are enough to get this team some wins. There's no excuse for you guys to just be getting utterly blown out. There's no excuse for that. You guys are a pretty good team. I'm not going to sit here and say you're a top five team in the West or anything like that. Without Clay, with Clay, you guys should be a top five team. There's no doubt in my mind. But without Clay, I think you guys are more of a six, seven, eight seed seeded team. And you guys are looking like you guys aren't even about to make the playoffs right now. Like Steph, I've seen LeBron do a lot better with much less than what you have right now. You still have two All Stars, as I mentioned earlier. D'Angelo Russell isn't 
a perennial all-star. He wasn't just an all-star one time last year in the East because pretty much Victor Oladipo got hurt. But he still made it, and he still played at an all-star level. There's no doubt in my mind that he can still play that way. Draymond has proven he's a perennial all-star, even though you know a lot of people hate him. And he's not the biggest scorer like that, but he does everything else really well. You have to figure it out. I don't care what anybody says. You are the franchise leading point guard of that team. You've been there you know, when they were terrible back in the days when they had, even before Monte Ellis. You were there in those days, and they traded Monte Ellis pretty much for you and a couple other pieces. So I'm like, there's no excuse for Steph Curry. I'm not going to give him any excuses. He's a great player. He's the greatest shooter of all time. But there's no reason for you guys to just be getting blown out like this. So we'll see what happens. I believe they play the Pelicans tonight, I think, in New Orleans. So we'll see how that game goes. But hopefully they can turn it on because they were at the top for the past five years. And now they literally went from the best all the way to what looks like right now the worst. And they have to prove themselves to being a decent team because right now they just look like the worst team in the league. And, and I'm, I'm being so serious when I say that. They literally look like the worst team in the league. Like the Charlotte Hornets actually look better than the Golden State Warriors right now. And I'm so serious when I say that. I'm not trolling. I'm not being funny. I'm not being sarcastic. That is so serious when I say that. But we'll see. As I stated, hopefully they can turn around. So getting on to the positive side of the thing. Those are my negatives. So I still got one, two, three, four more positive things. The fourth one is the Phoenix Suns are actually a pretty good team. And it honestly quite shocked me like I'm not gonna lie to you guys like Monty Williams is the head coach they got some other really good coaches on that assistant coaching staff and they look solid like they they're not the they're not the the trash of the league anymore like the past few years not even few the past almost however many years that Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire have been gone with Mike D'Antoni they have been terrible they have been the bottom of the league the barrel of the league nobody respects Phoenix like that now they're actually playing like they deserve some respect and they're playing with confidence and they're having fun doing it. They beat the Clippers, which was probably the shock of the NBA. They they beat them by, I believe, a score was, or I, I don't even get the score, but they beat the Clippers. And everybody was shocked by that. They ended up beating them by like 20 points, I think. And you got to give a lot of credit to Monty Williams, man. He has these dudes fighting. They, ha- they, they play hard. They play together. Obviously, they still have Devin Booker. They got Kelly Oubre. They got Dario Sarge. They got Aaron Baines. They have some pretty solid pieces. And look, before I go any further, before I continue any further, I'm not saying the Suns are going to make the playoffs and make noise. I'm just saying they're not getting blown out the way that they used to. When you when teams used to come to Phoenix, they would literally rest their best player because they knew they were going to blow them out regardless. That's how bad Phoenix was for the past few, past decade almost. And now... They actually look competitive, and yes, it's still early, but as long as they're in games, as long as they're competing in games, taking teams down to the wire for the most part, not even the wire, but just being close like with like six or seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, that's a win for the Phoenix Suns. Not only is it just a win, but it's, it's progress. More importantly, it's progress, and that's a good thing. So shout out to Phoenix. Um, They're 2-1 and one right now. They actually lost DeAndre Ayton to 25 games because I believe he took a diuretic, which is like a a pill that you use to pee a lot more. And I guess that like, 
I'm, I'm just assuming, but if he's taking a pill like that, I'm guessing he probably has something in his in his system that he wasn't supposed to have. And I'm guessing that's why the league suspended him for 25 games. But hopefully they can appeal that. They can get some of those games, you know, retracted off that suspension because that's kind of a lot of games, if you ask me. Um, I think they said, it, I don't know if it was without pay or anything like that, but still, 25 games is a lot of games. That's almost, that's a little bit more than 25% of your season. So hopefully they can get him back, though, but. They are two and one, and and uh, Frank Kaminsky's actually playing good too. Like, as I stated, they beat the Clippers, they beat the Kings, and then they took the Denver Nuggets to overtime. So as long as they're being competitive, that's a whole bunch of progress for the Sac- or excuse me for the Phoenix Suns. So shout out to Phoenix, shout out to the Suns, shout out to Monty Williams, very underrated head coach, but he's doing his job um, down in Phoenix right now. So moving on though, another really good thing that I actually called this a couple months ago. Dwight Howard is playing really, really well for the Los Angeles Lakers. And look, Dwight Howard, the Lakers don't need him to be out there. Last last night, he had 16 points. He shot 8 of 8 from the field, 10 rebounds and four, 4 blocks. All Dwight has to give is 8 points. And some nights, he can get 10 rebounds. He can get All Dwight really has to average is 8 points, 8 rebounds, and like 2.5 blocks. If he can average that, that's a great season for Dwight Howard, especially because he's coming off the bench. And a lot, I've seen a lot of people saying, like, the, the Lakers need to start him. No, do not start him over JaVale McGee. You know why? Because he's the perfect spark plug for ja- JaVale McGee and the Lakers coming off the bench. He's going to be a better player coming off the bench than starting because with JaVale McGee in the game as a starter, you don't need him to produce a lot. You only need him to catch a lob here or there. You might need him to get a, you know, a post look here and there. He'll block shots. He'll rebound. That's all you need him to do, especially playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Then you have Dwight coming off the bench. He's looked really good. And I said, he's going to play rejuvenated. He's going to have that chip on his shoulder. He's playing on a non-guaranteed contract. So that's already motivating him because if he messes up even a little bit, the Lakers can cut him, even though right now I don't see the Lakers cutting him because he's playing so well. And I think he'll honestly survive the season and play in the playoffs with them and I like it. I'm happy for Dwight Howard, man. He deserves this opportunity. You know, he was on the outskirts of the league for the past couple years. He was bouncing around from Houston to Charlotte, who they played last night and beat. And pretty much, I thought he was done. I thought his career was done until the Lakers signed him because DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. But I'm happy for Dwight Howard, man. He deserves this opportunity. You can see that he's filling the Staples Center. Like, every night or every time that he scored last night, he was getting the crowd to stand up and stuff like that. He was hyping up the crowd. Shout out to Dwight, man. Keep doing what you do. You know, keep being a factor for the Lakers. You know, all you got to do, you don't even have to average that many points. You just just get a couple offensive rebounds, catch a lob here or there, roll hard to the rim, and then block a few shots and rebound hard, and you're going to survive in the league. You're going you're, you're gonna to extend your career a lot longer than what it looked like if he were back a couple years ago because I really thought his career was over with probably about two, three years ago. But now that he's back with the Lakers, I'm happy for Dwight Howard, man. I, I truly am because he deserves this opportunity and he's making the most of it, most importantly, in a huge town that has um, – they hold a lot of weight on their Lakers players. So shout-out to Dwight. Moving on, though. Let's talk about my team for a minute, the Miami Heat. Kendrick Nunn, if you guys don't know who that is, he's from Chicago, Illinois. Went to Simeon High School, which is the prominent basketball school in Chicago. Derrick Rose went there. Jabari Parker went there. Zach Norvell, the Lakers went there. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker, I believe, went. Uh, did he go to Simeon? I think he did. I think he did go to Simeon. But Taylor, I'm pretty sure Taylor Horton Tucker went there too. But 
Kendrick Nunn is balling. And it's crazy because I watched Kendrick Nunn in college. And now that I look back at it, he I could actually kind of tell he was going to be an NBA player in the near future. He just needed the right fit. And he's found that right fit with my Miami Heat because back when I watched him, because he played, he spent his first three seasons at the University of Illinois playing for the Fighting Illini in the Big Ten. If you guys don't know, I'm a huge Michigan State fan, so I watch all our games. And I remember Kendrick Nunn really well. And then his senior year, he transferred over to the University of Oakland, which is a school in Michigan, and he played under the, the Bears and Coach Greg Campy at Oakland University. And he thrived over there, too. And then he graduates, and I guess he, he was playing in the G League for some time, and then he spent some time bouncing around, and now he landed on a good spot with the Miami Heat. And so he's making the most of that. In two games, just two games, though, he's averaging 21 points, three rebounds, and four assists. Think about that. He was barely in the league, and we played, our first game was versus the, the Memphis Grizzlies, and then we played versus the, the Milwaukee Bucks on Saturday in Milwaukee at their game, their home opener of the season, while Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was in the stands. Kendrick Nunn put on a show, and we won that game. That was a tough game. Even though we lost last night versus the Memphis, I mean, excuse me, versus the um, Minnesota Timberwolves, we, Kendrick Nunn still looks good. And, this is, and think about it, this is all without Jimmy Butler. We still don't have Jimmy Butler back. I think he'll be back sometime this week. Um, I believe we play the Hawks either tomorrow or the day after that. But still, this is a really good performance by Kendrick Nunn. If, I, I tweeted it last night. If Kendrick Nunn is hooping like this for the rest of the year, and I think he will because he looks pretty good to me, then the Miami Heat can cut Deion Waiters immediately. And if you guys know me, I've talked about Deion Waiters a few different times in this podcast. I like Deion Waiters. But there is no need for him if Kendrick Nunn is producing at this high clip for the Miami Heat. And that's just facts. He's looking really, really good. And I'm happy for this dude. He found the right situation, the right place for him. And he's making the most of his opportunity. And you got to respect that. He is a hooper. He's a lefty. He can get to the rack whenever he wants. His jumper is automatic. And he is just an all-around bucket getter. So shout out to him, man. Kendrick Nunn, keep doing what you're doing. Miami Heat. I'm telling you, y'all better stop sleeping on the Heat, man. Especially when Jimmy Butler comes back this week, the Heat are going to be a dangerous squad. We do some – this past week, show me that the Heat can be a really, really good team in the East. I think they might be somewhere top five seeds in the East. Believe me when I say that. So that is Kendrick Nunn. Now, moving on, the last takeaway from the season, now I'll do a little bit of recruiting, now I'll get y'all out of here, is Trey Young. Man, Trey Young is hooping right now. He is killing the league right now. Through two games, just two games, it's just two games, he's averaging 38.5 points per game, seven rebounds, and nine assists. First game of the year, I believe they beat the Orlando Magic by four points, 103 to 99. Or no, I think they played the Pistons first, 117 to 100, and then they beat the Magic, 130, 103 to 99. He's averaging almost 40 points a game. And yes, it's only two games, but still, it's funny because... I remember watching the first time I ever seen Trey Young. He was probably because because we we graduated both in 2017 from high school, so we're pretty much the same age. But I, I believe at the time we were probably in middle school, and, he, and they made a Balls Life video about him. He was just working out. He was at a I think he was at a camp, and he was the best player at the camp. Balls Life posted it. A couple years later, he's killing in high school. Turned into a McDonald's All American. He's killing. The next year, he's at Oklahoma taking the world by storm. The whole world notices him. He looks like Steph Curry Jr. The next year, he looks like one of the best rookies in the league towards the end of his rookie year. This year, even though it's still early, he legitimately can be an all-star player because 
One, he can shoot the ball from anywhere, no matter how far it is from the rim. He can hit it and take it and feel comfortable shooting it. His coaching staff gives him that green light. He has all the necessary pieces around him with DeAndre, or yeah, DeAndre Hunter, um, Collins, um, Kevin Werther, Cam Reddish, Vince Carter still. He's in the perfect situation to thrive and succeed, and the Atlanta Hawks are utilizing him to the best of their capabilities. And Trey Young, man, I'm so happy for this dude because not only did they say like he, he wasn't going to make it, you know, he's not Steph Curry, and I hate when they compare him to Steph Curry, even though it's a, it's a realistic comp- comparison. Don't get it twisted, but... Not only is he just like, does he play like, does he play like Steph Curry? Yes, but he's more Trey Young than anything else because he's a, if you ask me personally, he's a way better passer than Steph Curry. A way better passer because not only can he just pass with, with great vision and pass to get his teammates easy looks, but he can throw a dime with his left hand. And Curry barely does that, if you ask me in my personal opinion. And this dude is special and I'm happy for this guy. Trey Young is getting to it he looks like in a few years once he's off his rookie contract the hawks are going to have no choice but to give him a max contract and he's the business and i'm happy for this guy he earned every single thing he worked his butt off you know his him and his family putting the time in and it's funny because the first time i knew that he was going to be special was in the 2016 peace jam championship game he was playing with mo Kenny lee which is the nike uibl team based out of the st louis and kansas areas and Pretty much, he was playing alongside Michael Porter Jr., who plays on the Denver Nuggets now, and they went off. They played, I believe they played the PSA Cardinals, which is a team based out of New York. They played versus a young Cole Anthony, who's at North Carolina now. They played versus Quade Green, who's at Washington now. And they played versus Mo Bamba, who plays for the Orlando Magic now. And Trey Young and Michael Porter absolutely went off. Trey Young was killing that game. And that just let me know, like, he's going to be special. It's no doubt in my mind. Now, did I see him doing what he's doing right now? No, but I did see him being successful in the league, but he's completely exceeded any expectations that I have for him. And man, shout out to Trey Young, man. He's doing it and he's doing it at a big level. So that's my seven takeaways from the NBA week one. So the first one, I'll recap it real quick, was that the Celtics, the Boston Celtics need a defensive big man that can hold his own ground. Two, the Sacramento Kings are tanking terribly. Three, the Warriors are struggling mightily. They need to figure it out. Four, the Suns aren't that bad after all. They have a pretty good team that's playing competitive basketball right now. Five, Dwight Howard is giving the Lakers very, very good minutes, and he's having a positive impact on that team. Six, Kendrick Nunn is a baller. He is a hooper. He knows what he's doing. And seven, Trey Young is doing Trey Young things. So shout out to all them guys. But getting into some recruiting, and I'll get y'all out of here real quick. So three-star player Bradley as a Wyro, 6'8 power forward slash center from Torrance, California, which is probably about 10 minutes from my house. Uh, actually went to Bishop Montgomery for the past couple years, and then he transferred over to Oak Hill Academy out in Virginia. The Yes, the perennial powerhouse Oak Hill, coached by head coach Steve Smith, who coached Kevin Durant, Rajon Rondo, Jerry Stackhouse, Dwayne Bacon, Keldon Johnson. The list goes on. He's coached a whole bunch of players. Quinn Cook, whoever you, Carmelo Anthony, he's coached all of them. And He's, so he's out there now in Virginia, Mouth of Wilson, Virginia is where it's called. He played on the EYBL circuit for the Oakland Soldiers, who, if you guys don't know the Oakland Soldiers, you should. If you know basketball, you know the Oakland Soldiers, um, where he averaged uh, 10 points per game, off 49% from the field, go shooting, 5.1 rebounds per game, and one block per game. Bradley as a wide was pretty much just a big body, big man. 
He's powerful when he's dunking the ball. Really good post presence. Really good at guarding the block. Footwork is pretty good. Improving on his jump shot. Improving on his offensive game as a whole. Really, really good defender. I like his game. To, to be honest, I like his game. I think he's a project right now, but he just committed to a school that we'll talk about right now. But I think if that school can get him and slowly develop him, and if he can take his time during his senior year of high school and just get better, he's going to be a really good player. So, on Saturday, he ended up committing to LSU. Coach Will Wade and the Tigers got a really good commitment, got a solid commitment out of him. He actually visited LSU back on August 30th through September 1st. It was that weekend he visited LSU. I guess he fell in love with the campus. He likes the coaching staff, and he's going to a really, a really solid school. You know, Hopefully, Will Wade can somehow manage to survive this whole FBI, NCAA scandal. We'll see how that goes, but hopefully he can survive it. I know a lot of people don't like him and stuff like that, but we'll see how it goes. But he joins Jalen Cook, who is a six-foot point guard out of Walker, Louisiana, in-state kid going to Louisiana State. And Bradley actually is also playing with another LSU target at Oak Hill who goes by the name of Cam Thomas, who I've talked about plenty of times on this podcast, who's actually from Chesapeake, Virginia, and he's one of the top scorers in the class of 2020. And, man, he's a bucket getter. And it does sound like LSU are the favorites to get Cam Thomas, too. So LSU could possibly get a duo from Oak Hill. And... LSU actually just hosted on an official visit former Michigan State commit Jalen Terry, who was a four-star prospect out of Flint Beecher, out of Flint, Michigan, who decommitted from Michigan State, as I said, and now has, you know, opened all of his options. And he just visited LSU this past weekend. Sound like they had a good weekend. So LSU could really have a solid 2020 class. We'll see what ends up happening. I do think they will ultimately get Camp Thomas. Jalen Terry, I'll probably give him a pretty solid chance of going there as of now, but he still said that he's going to go visit all of his options. He's going to take all five of his official visits, and you never know how official visits can change things, but Camp Thomas does look like he's going to end up going to LSU, but shout out to Bradley as a wide route. This is a very good picker for the Tigers, but with that being said, man, y'all have a beautiful and blessed rest of y'all day. As always, shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports. This podcast actually came out late because shout out to Nuts and Bolts. I'm actually going to be a writer for their college hoops um, portion of their, um, how, what should I say, for their company. So I can't wait to do that. I was writing that out. Um, I guess I'll have that piece out sometime later this week. I got to type it up and then, you know, finish editing it and stuff like that. Can't wait to put that out there in my top 10 teams. So can't wait for you guys to see that. Hopefully you guys go check them out. As always, shout out to Nuts and Bowl Sports. But with that being said, man, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share, and all those other good things. Have a beautiful and blessed rest of your day. This has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. As always, peace, love, and blessings gone.